Today's episode of Times Ours is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million current Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to timesrs.robinhood.com. That's timesrs.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. As we've discussed on a near weekly basis on this show, two things have been true about the Kansas City Chiefs all season. One is that they've only played weird games, and two is that they need to handle their business, just like everyone else does. And in the game that we all saw yesterday, the Chiefs capped off a weird season. Not even because this game was all that strange, but because the weirdest possible thing happened. And the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. AFC champion Andy Reid, AFC champion Patrick Mahomes, AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs. It's a weird thing to say, but they handled their business quite well against the Tennessee Titans in a game that, of course, was always going to make you sweat at some point because Chiefs games do but it worked and it happens and we've got a lot more football to get ready for and a lot of moments to celebrate and to to appreciate today here on Times Ours guys it it happened i thought it might have been just a insane fever dream because of the level of exhaustion that I think we're all experiencing in this moment i'm sure right there along with literally everyone listening but it's all apparently real. The box scores haven't been changed. Uh, Sammy Watkins still, you know, went off. Patrick Mahomes still led the team in rushing again. And uh, Andy Reid still has the uh, Lamar Hunt trophy brought back to Kansas City. Yeah. I don't even have jokes. I, mean, I don't even I have mean, jokes for the Open. How's that for weird? 50 years. The, the franchise that brought you the no-punt game. The franchise that... You know, inexplicably lost to the Colts in 1995, the 1997 heartbreak, uh, the 2013 collapse. Uh, these, the same team that lost to the Titans after holding an 18 point deficit, they're going to the Super Bowl and, uh, they have the best player in the world and he performed in a way that is hard to comprehend in a lot of ways. But um, the Chiefs, for for so many reasons, are uh, are going to be remembered in, in football history because they they built an offense that was virtually unstoppable in the AFC, and behind a quarterback that is already Hall of Fame worthy <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, it's only year three; it's only year two as a starter. Um, I, I can't stress enough that by halftime, everybody in the building knew the outcome. And that's because of one play, the run, the scramble, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes spun off the Titans, ran over them, and evaded them uh, in a play that I don't think anybody will forget. So uh, in two weeks, they're going to play the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. And I'm imagining that. Seth, like a lot of people, were very emotional uh, last night. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, so I, I made a terrible mistake last night as I was like, yeah, I was just reacting. I was like, oh, man, they won. You know, and it's just, you know, I look, I, I love the Chiefs. 
I've loved the Chiefs for a very long time. My wife actually wasn't with me. I was I was, I was watching the game at my sister's house. She's a huge Chiefs fan. You both have met her. Um, she's awesome. And so she was like freaking out and it was, it was great. And so I was texting my wife. And as you guys know, because I'm 100, I use voice texting. Like for everything, um, just so everyone knows, and, like Seth uses voice texting whenever like he's in like a movie theater because he's afraid to type. I, it's not that I'm afraid. It's that I, well, no, I am afraid. Actually, that was a great word. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm voice texting to, to Jazz. And here's the problem I'm voice texting to her. They did it. They won. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. And as I did that, I realized this was a terrible mistake to say this out loud because I start like welling up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like trying to choke back like at, fortunately it was like you know occasionally you luck out and it's like a really manly type cry where you're just like welling up you know all manly and stuff instead of like and they, and they did it and they, and, and they won like that's what i wanted to do and so yes i was a little emotional it was such a great game and as we all predicted the X factor down the stretch was Sammy Watkins. <laughs> Just like we all predicted that Sammy Watkins would be the guy that, I mean, I'm just looking at their last touchdown drive. It's like first down conversion, Sammy Watkins. First down conversion, Sammy Watkins. Giant <laughs> touchdown, Sammy, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Hey, who, by the way, freelanced, like actually freelanced in the middle of a play, which yeah, never happens. Right. No, that, that's just like, what are you, you, you watch the replay. Cause I was like, man, did they call a shot play? And then you see, it's like, no, the corner just fell down and Sammy's like, well, that's just a safety. I'm just going to start running and see what happens And all game, all game. There were several times where Mahomes threw the ball downfield and his receiver stopped and you saw him doing that kind of like, I'm a little annoyed with you gesture where he's like pointing down the field, yes. like keep running. And Sammy's like, okay. I'm going to keep running. And it was glorious. And I hope every receiver the Chiefs have from now on understand, keep running. Just keep running. Don't ever stop running. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, so <laughs> a quick peek behind the curtain. Um, I feel like I've talked about everything in this game already because I did seven hours of postgame on 810 last night. And so that's not an exaggeration. We actually did that. And so I'm, I'm here thinking like, all right. So what have we not talked about yet? Oh no, this is a new show. Never mind. We can start over from the beginning. <laughs> I just, I'm just gonna turn on my mic and grab a drink here in a second. Um, I, I have so many things from within this game itself that I think are fascinating. And Nate's already written about the run, and Seth. There's, there's so many other things packed into it as well. But, but Nate, you, you were there, and. I have to imagine you've been there for some you've been at Arrowhead for some some big moments and some weird moments and some some stadium shaking moments. What was it like at Arrowhead Stadium when the Chiefs won the AFC? It was a lot of, you know, thoughts to people that are near and dear to me that, you know, have lived and died and, you know, risen again with this team. Um, my phone, you know, and this isn't after every game, obviously, but my, my phone, uh, just had message after message after message of people who were just celebrating. Um, the idea that like Mike Pinnell, right. <laughs> um, and I, I, I thought about him in a yeah. lot of ways, um, him and Xavier Williams. And it's, it's just odd that, you know, both those guys are defensive linemen. Both of those guys were necessary yesterday in terms of limiting, uh, the Titans running back Derrick Henry from having a, a better game. And as a guy who's been a lifelong Chiefs fan who told me this in like November, I believe, um, to just see him crying in uniform, like, you know, seconds are ticking off the clock and he's, he's virtually like, there's tears coming down his cheeks. Um, it's, it's striking that Frank Clark uh, a man who does not care <laughs> is carrying. I mean, it, it's it's just it's carrying Travis Kelsey into the locker room. Um, you know, there there's so many scenes of triumph for this for this team. Um, I mean, look, 
it's 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 not every day that uh, a team celebrates the AFC Championship trophy appropriately, but the Chiefs are the only team yeah. that can because it's named after the their founder. It's named after the man who brought the franchise from Dallas to Kansas City. Um, you know, so Clark Hunt tries his best not to make anything really about him, um, but he got overwhelmed at times. Um, on camera and off camera last night. And, you know, uh, this is like, this is just me personal because I know um, that the guy that means kind of the most important to me uh, and what I saw yesterday was Alan Wright, the Chiefs' longest Mm -hmm. tenured employee. Mm -hmm. This is year 36 for him. He is the equipment director for the team. Obviously, we all know kind of what occurred in in (laughs) Foxborough earlier this season. Um, But to see him cry and to see the players, whether it's Travis Kelsey or Eric Fisher or, you know, Sammy Watkins or Patrick Mahomes all stress the the importance of, like, Andy Reid and what Andy Reid means and Dustin Colquitt saying, like, we have to win for Andy Reid, not just us personally. Um, These are just scenes and moments that you'll never forget. And... Think about this, guys. I left a press box last night that had confetti on it, red and gold confetti all over it, and that's never happened inside Arrowhead Stadium. It's never been an image that has ever occurred until last night because the Chiefs finally are going back to the Super Bowl. It's cool, man. We, we Over the course of those many, many hours last night, we took a lot of calls from a lot of, of Chiefs fans that I'm sure are, are represented listening right now as well of – of the fan base that has for so long had narratives of, well, if everything goes right, maybe we could be there. Or we are so far away that maybe we could be there in a few years. Or even with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid last year, where there was sort of a sense of eventual inevitability that where everyone bought into saying, oh no, these guys are eventually going to win the AFC and eventually win a Super Bowl. And, and hearing from everybody as the context of the conversation has changed completely to where this is this is not speculative now. We actually all saw it. And I, I know and everyone was quick to point this out after, you know, all of their speeches and everything to say that we know we got another game and all of that and, and that's fine. We're gonna have two weeks to talk about the 49ers. Who look very good, but also I'm still kind of confused by. It. So we'll get we'll we'll have we'll have plenty of time <laughs> to talk about about them. I I my my continuing hope for everybody and something that frankly I'm not even sure if I've done a very good job of yet because it's just been it's been constant stuff since the game. But I hope everybody's had a minute to kind of go, oh wow, this is the genuinely sports historic thing that I just saw city historic thing that I just saw. And I I hope everyone has taken at least a minute to appreciate how wild this is because it's been that long. This isn't an AFC West division title that you can see and then roll your eyes at and look at the next thing. you, You can, you can soak in on this one a little bit. And I think, I think everyone would be, would be right to. I like that you talk about, you know, yes, there's a there's there's another game. And of course, that's, you know, they all we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We got one more game. I know Tyron Matthews said, you know, he was asked how long he would let his teammates celebrate. He's like probably about a day. And then, you know, it's going to be on the next thing. I don't think there's any. It always cracks me up. And so I'm just going to give Chiefs fans everywhere permission to revel in this because there's no question the Chiefs are going to be focusing on the game. That's probably they'll probably take I I could almost guarantee you Andy Reid today went into work early, started working on the 49ers. I can almost guarantee you Patrick Mahomes probably at the facility today working on the 49ers. You don't have to work on the 49ers, dear Chiefs fan. You can revel in this. The team will focus. They've shown that. They've shown they'll focus on the next thing. They're they're not satisfied. So you can be satisfied because it's okay. Well, maybe we should act like we've been there before. No, you shouldn't because you haven't. 
Unless you are, <laughs> unless you are yes. in your sixties, you don't remember the last time the Chiefs made the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe late fifties. I will try to be fair here. Maybe you've got a great memory, but you you don't have to act like you've been here before because this is different. This is this by itself. It's okay to acknowledge that a lifetime of bad playoff memories have been exercised. It's yep. over. The, the process began last year beating the Colts who, I mean, let's face it, beating the Colts on their way to all of this over the last two years, that's a big deal, yeah. right? Because the Colts have been that team. They beat the Patriots earlier this year. Beating the Titans, a team that have been a weird team recently for the Chiefs. Beating a team that's run-centric. But just getting there, all the stuff. Lynn Elliott, yes, we're saying his name out loud now. Lynn Elliot is no longer the kicker who shall not be named. You, you, you no longer need to just sit there and go, I cannot believe they didn't play Rich Gannon. Uh, you don't need to, you know, talk about, you know, Monday night meltdowns. You don't need to think about 38 to 10 comebacks. It's all been exercised. It's over. That fra- that phase is over. And that's worth celebrating for a day or two. That stuff no longer has power over you. They're no longer the franchise that, oh, they're okay, but they can't win in big moments. None of that's true anymore. And that's worth celebrating for days while the team prepares for the Super Bowl. They'll prepare. You celebrate, Chiefs fans. Celebrate for a few days because you don't have to prepare for the Niners, who, like Josh said, look pretty good. But also, like, the quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo and they have a running back that no one had ever heard of like six months ago who is yeah they're they're we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll about there. We'll this we'll, we'll talk about this they're a very specifically bad matchup for the Packers that was a matchup hmm. issue it has been both That's times right. but we'll talk about that later yes. I know we will but there's a reason the Niners don't whoop anyone else mostly like the way they whoop the Packers that's a matchup issue I and I I'm tempted to follow that and I no no no, Seth, stop it. <laughs> we we're just saying. I'm sorry, the analyst in me took over. We just said no Niners. I, we're, I'm embargoing 49ers talk <laughs> and Super Bowl talk for the rest of the show because we're going to have plenty of time to get there, and we absolutely will, but not right now because the Chiefs just won the AFC. Um, Nate, the the thing that your that your your article last night is is centered around is a drive and a run by the the run by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that as we were <laughs> listen, I'm gonna just continue mentioning, I guess, what my night was like. We were doing post game for so long that about halfway. About halfway through the show, NFL Network uh, started airing the replay of the football game, <laughs> of the AFC Championship game. <laughs> so I have already at least passively seen this game twice. We It ended before the postgame show ended, the, the second time. Um, and at one point, the, uh, the run was about to happen. And I just started yelling while he was standing at whatever the 24, a few yards behind the line of scrimmage. And there was a dude on like his hip and then another dude a few yards in front of him. I just started yelling, this is a touchdown. This play turns into a touch. This doesn't make any sense. This play turns into a rushing touchdown. I don't understand what happened here. Like, I I don't want to like try to lean into like the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes narrative, whatever, literally at all. But if Lamar, my point is, if Lamar Jackson would have done that as a Russian touchdown, I would be like, damn, that that doesn't make any sense. He's a video game. And it was Patrick Mahomes who like can absolutely run the ball. I I know, but it's not like his thing. Like, I I just, I, I don't know if anyone in the NFL, actually no one in the NFL could have turned that play into a rushing touchdown and not have done it in a way that would have been genuinely stunning. Um, so for me, watching the game, that was the moment more than any other where at the end, you just throw your arms up in the air and stare at the television in silence, wondering what the bleep is going on. Uh, so so you, you turn that into a, a whole piece up on The Athletic right now. And if you're not subscribed, you can still do it. Somebody tweeted us all last night and said, you know what? I know I'm late, but I'm finally in. Uh, Theathletic.com slash times ours or times ours. There's a discount code right there. An URL that also supports the podcast. If you want to get our Friday episodes, hey guys, are you going to miss the Super Bowl Friday episode of Times Ours in a couple of weeks? I didn't think so. It's going to just be for subscribers, so hop on. Um, but you wrote about that, Nate, and tell the tell the story however you will to us now. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so um, once the team, once Ryan Fitzpatrick 
did Ryan Fitzpatrick things and got the Chiefs the two seed. Um, I started thinking about this moment, and as a reporter and as a journalist, you, you always want to you always want to rise to the occasion or rise to the moment. So uh, it's been a nerve wracking two to three weeks, honestly, thinking about okay, if they you know win the first game, and even if they go to Baltimore, or if Baltimore somehow falters and like they host the AFC Championship game back in Arrowhead, like how am I going to handle that uh, from a story writing perspective? Um, because so much of this year was about redemption and and, and kind of coming back and, or coming full circle. And so I thought, well, now that the team beat the Houston Texans in a, in the most weirdest Chiefs playoff game ever, um, that even involved a guy leaving uh, early and became viral, I, I, I thought, okay, there's going to be a moment. And mostly, and I know Seth has written about this too, the anatomy of a play and just... Like, there's always one play that you can usually reference back to in the postseason. Uh, obviously, the drive is, is a series of plays, but, like, there's the catch, of course. And, you know, you, you can think about Marcus Allen's run in the Super Bowl against the Washington Redskins. Um, you can think about, you know, the Titans literally coming up one yard short. So there's these moments that you can always sort of harken back to and that are going to be, you know, etched in all of our, our brains. And I thought, well... What was the last play that like really did that for Chiefs fans or the the play that's most famous in Kansas City Chiefs history? And it's 65 toss yeah. power trap. Um, and so for about four or five days, I was researching and watching as much highlights and, and reading as much news and information as I could about the 1969 Chiefs, the only team that's won a Super Bowl in the franchise's history. And I thought if the Chiefs win on Sunday or yesterday, there's going to be a play that for the first time in 50 years will be compared to 65 toss power trap or will have just as much significance because it was the play that led them back to the Super Bowl. Obviously, you assume that that play probably is going to involve Patrick Mahomes <laughs> yeah, to some degree. <laughs> you, as, you assume that like it may come in the fourth quarter because those are when you know plays are most memorable because it's the outcomes are so tight in these usual um, playoff games. And then... He scrambled and used the sideline to his advantage. And then he escaped the Tennessee Titans' best linebacker. (laughs) Then he spun on a guy. And let me tell you, kids, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes do a spin move in a game of any importance. Then he tried to stiff arm another man. And then he rumbled and bumbled and stumbled his way into the end zone. And I just can't comprehend how insane that was. And the fans, obviously, inside Arrowhead Stadium could not believe it. And to myself, nobody around, you know, obviously there's reporters and other writers around me. But to myself, I'm literally thinking, we don't need to play the second half because that's the play that everyone's going to remember from this day forth. The man with the greatest arm and accuracy in the NFL beat the Titans one on 11 with his he legs. He hit him with the head fake. <laughs> oh, he did. I mean, so, so the play is so absurd, right? That I went to, I tried to go to all 10 guys in the locker room that were on the field during the play. I got to six of them because uh, it's so chaotic in there. But I got to six of them. Nobody remembered the play because it's just so absurd, like what the play call was. Because I thought like, oh, maybe somebody will remember that like our play in, in these play calls are, I'm, I'm assuming, a little more complex than 65 toss prior trap was back in mm-hmm. 1970. But anyway, like I thought somebody may remember a play or, or like a specific um, portion of the play that they would want to reveal. And no one wanted to do that because they were just like, I mean, he he went on a on a on a quarterback that's known for going off script, improvisation, and creativity. That is the most Patrick Mahomes absurd thing that Patrick Mahomes has ever done. And it's true. And it's it's incredible that against a well structured defense, a defense that called the right play, a defense that knew exactly who Patrick Mahomes was looking to throw the ball to, which was Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And he he went one on eleven. Nobody blocked for him once he scrambled. 
this was all on his own. And then, and then, and then afterwards, when they asked him about it after the game, you love Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he. So after the game, you know what the the, the presentation here was like? Oh, that's scrambling. And of course, Mahomes. Oh, you know my teammates, whatever. And I like wanted to scream at him, Patrick. Not yeah, this take, time. Take not this now. <laughs> that was this stop was it. No one believes you. He's like, oh, they laid some great great blocks for me. He's like, no, they, no one blocked for you. No one knew what you were doing, dog. Like what? What? That was the ultimate. What is he doing? I never know what he's doing moment. Just like, what's he doing? Like, I, I think I might have said that. I don't know. It was like a fever dream moment. But seriously, it's so funny to me. You can never get Patrick Mahomes to give himself any credit. Like, he'll yell things on the field. Like, you know, when you see him yelling, like in the Denver game, when he's like yelling, I can spin in anything. Yeah. Like, yes. how, how you, you hear, you don't hear it like in public to reporters. He is always going to give the QB1 interview. And it just made me laugh so hard that he's like, oh, it's just all about my teammates. They set me up there. It's like, dude, that was the most one on 11 play I've seen you. That was like a, a Lamar Jackson one on 11 thing. And he's sitting there. Oh, yeah, they threw some great blocks for him. He's like, no, they didn't. They did not. It's so great. It also happened like buttered up against the end of the half in a way that like Scoring there was actually kind of important, like scoring on that play because yes, yes. because and they had two timeouts. They didn't didn't have a lot of shots to to have there, and also just this is this just makes me smile. I I pulled up the the play log um, on the ESPN box score just because I'm trying. I was trying to see exactly how much time was left, Um, and the play description is just um, Patrick Mahomes' 27 yard rush, Harrison Bucker extra point good. I just like the idea that you could you could even begin to just go yeah yeah Patrick Mahomes twenty seven yard rush touchdown it's just completely it's just completely bonkers because it was it it, it defies much of anything I've seen on a football field. One one quick thing from that play, um, as ridiculous as it was, you know, uh, next gen stats uh, they do a great job. I love the dots because. In some ways, it, it made me. It, it was symbolic of sixty-five toss power trap because everybody knows how that play is designed and how it's mm-hmm. drawn up. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you understand like what that play means. Um, Next gen stats and their dots <laughs> had the. I mean, it's when you look at it in in its in its coordination, it's just silly. Um, on his twenty-seven yard scramble to give the Chiefs a twenty-one to seventeen lead just before halftime, Patrick Mahomes covered sixty-four yards of distance on the play, the most distance covered on a touchdown run by any quarterback this season, <laughs> including <laughs> Lamar Jackson. It's incredible, Seth. You had something else on it. I I just um. Oh, I was just gonna say it would be really funny if you looked up that uh, that game log on the Mar- on, on the on the Mar- see, I've, see now you I've got it. that on the brain. If if you looked up the if you looked up the game log and it just like instead of even describing the play, it said Patrick Mahomes OMG twenty seven <laughs> yards or something like that. Patrick Mahomes they were far twenty seven yard far. rush. Harrison Booker actually went good. <laughs> they were far far too professional, but I I just it really was and it was important. Like you, you said, they needed to score there. Um, well, they didn't. They need were down to, though. Know, they were the losing. It was, it was. I mean, yeah, they were. They were losing. But at that point in the game already, we had seen that the Titans' defense wasn't on their own, really slowing down the Chiefs' offense. They were moving the ball when they wanted to, and when they weren't shooting themselves in the foot. And, and so, like, to me, it was like, yeah, it was good that they scored. But after the Chiefs, you know, because you know, it starts off 10-0 and you're like, oh, holy crap, what's going on? Not again. I can't do this. My heart, whatever. <laughs> and then, the, then the Chiefs, then the Chiefs, you know, they, they march down the field. They score that seven. When the Chiefs actually, for me at least, when they went down seven to ten and how quickly it happened, I was like, that this, this isn't it for yeah. Tennessee. They, they can't hang. This isn't going to happen for them. It was just too easy. Like the difference in the way the drives went down, and I know we're going to get into the analysis of all this soon, but like 
Tennessee's drives relied on, they needed the Chiefs defense to make a mistake, yeah. right? They needed penalties. They needed, um, you know, a missed, a blown coverage. They needed a missed tackle. And they needed to convert multiple third downs through the air, by mm-hmm. the way, which I'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about soon. Um, they, they needed to do, they needed, like their drives were tough. It reminded me of, of, of watching, you know, Chiefs drives maybe in the Alex Smith era before like Tyreek Hill and before the offense became more explosive, right? It was almost a painful process. And then the Chiefs get the ball back and they're like, well, probably just going to throw the ball four times and score a <laughs> touchdown is what, what I think we'll do. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then they did it. And, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, there's no way Tennessee can keep up this volume of scoring with the way that they're scoring. It's just not going to happen. You can't keep you can't count on moving the ball in the least efficient way the whole game and getting bailed out by Ryan Tannehill. You can't do it. And so when I say they needed to score it when they scored that, I mean, I absolutely knew like I was like when it was 7-10, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. she's got this. And then after that run, like you said, they could have canceled the second half. There was no way the Chiefs were losing that game. It was not going to happen. It made you sweat like a Dude, little, a little bit later on. You got well. That's because Damian Williams decided to run out of bounds instead of like that was like the only time I was like, man, it would be the most Chiefs thing ever to lose an ep- like in, in, with four minutes to go lose after leading by eleven points because someone. <laughs> Someone ran out yeah, of no, I mean that and saved the Titans. It was that timeout. kind of weirdness that cost them against Titans the first time. Like that was it was all of that <laughs> happening. I didn't think it was going to go bad, but I saw that. I was like, well, I don't right. feel as good as I want to. <laughs> I'm going to win this game, yeah, but I'm no, not thrilled. exactly. Exactly. I yeah. That was that was that was a rough moment. But then Chiefs call a shot play. On third down, get the pass interference that I've seen some. The good thing is the game was well enough in hand that I haven't even seen a lot of Titans fans complain about that pass interference. Because like had a bit of tie game, I could see people getting upset because it's one of those. That's like that's one that they'd call almost every time. But at the end of the game, that's a rough call, yeah, yeah, right? But that's what happens when you call a shot play. And that that was game right there. I mean, really, the game had was pretty well decided already. But it went from like 95% to 100% after that play. And then it went back to like 95 for a minute because we're all a little bit nervous as a fan base. <laughs> but yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so, God, I mean, there's just, there's a lot here. The the uh, Nate, you're next, you're, you're, you're going to write about Brett Veach next. Um, and if you change your mind, let me know, and then I'll write about Brett Veach next. We will cover Brett Veach. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's fair to go to him before like even digging in more on Andy Reid, but to at least use Brett Veach as a catalyst for everything else that I feel like we need to talk about at this point. Um, Sammy Watkins has this huge game and, and he's been this guy on this roster that we've been like, oh man, this contract is a this is a problem. And then he's huge in this moment and, and Veach had some really good stuff about Sammy Watkins uh, after the game. And really just in general. He he talked and it was really interesting. But then you also get, um, you know what? Maybe this is where we drop in the Frank Clark audio because you also get this whole season. Do it. This whole season <laughs> with Tyron Matthew and and his attitude and what he's done in terms of reforming this defense. And then you have Frank Clark who, for the first few weeks of the season, everyone's like, oh, yikes, they paid a lot of money for this dude. And they're like, oh, yeah, actually, he like had a numb arm the whole time because his neck was wrong and his nerves were pinched. And then he had the plague for a couple of weeks and then he came back. And then he gets the 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 touch off balance sack to send them uh, to the AFC to the Super Bowl, winning the AFC, and and gives Tannehill hell all night, and he, he ra- uh, rounds up the Sean Watson last week, and uh, absolutely better than maybe anyone in the history of press conference brought an immense amount of post game sideline interview heat. Last two games, he's game, 70 yards, over 200 yards each game. I know damn well we wasn't going to win the game if we let that happen. They come in here, he ran for 70 yards, they call him the best rusher in the league. We're sitting in this home early. I posted the comments that you said to me, and all over social media, everybody said you better watch your back, that you're saying things that you can't cash. Everybody on social media is saying, they must not know who I am yet. They're going to find out sooner or later when I got that ring on my 
finger. At the end of the day, we <laughs> AFC. That trophy that got my own the last name on it. Shit. That the KC. That KC. Ain't no fall off. Last year, jump off sides, all that. I told him when I got here, there's no change. Look at the We're the best world. Go join. He's the best. The best. Also, he's the best. Also, all that stuff about Derrick Henry from the first what? part is verbatim what I was screaming in the studio during commercial breaks last night. Screaming! Oh, he's it's so best. good. It's even. And by it's the way, that's better to see the yes. video. By the way, because the yes. look that he gives Palmer when Palmer's like, people said you better watch your back. You saw Clark like, excuse me, <laughs> like because some of the quotes he gave after the divisional round were like, uh, Nate. I know you you'd gotten some really you'd ask some great questions. You know, he got asked some great questions about like you know where that motivation comes from. How do you you know chase a quarterback around as much as he did with Deshaun Watson? And he was just like, I mean, dude. I grew up like sleeping in bus stations and like going like he's like where I grew I mean like I've been in hard times like this isn't like he to him it's funny that people view football as like this hard time or this tough thing you better watch your back this hardship like, yeah yeah Clark's like bro man this is not anything and he just I really enjoy interviews right after games because yes. players are yeah. still so amped up on adrenaline and still so so they're still in that game because i think it gives fans a peek into the mentality that is like required to play defense on yeah. football you have to be crazy Champ- championship to- level craziness yes <laughs> yeah, that, yes that is so great he's, but, the, I mean, it he's was, the best oh it was so it was best. so good it was so good he he said he would bring this attitude he said he would bring this swagger and this willingness to talk and back it up and well danged if he didn't and uh go ahead and i w- i just want to shout out james james palmer from the nfl network who you know he got the quote um i'm assuming on friday in a one-on-one and he posted it on saturday and was you know um you know wise enough to go back to frank immediately after the game knowing mm-hmm. uh the sort of the reaction of frank's words about Derrick Henry and that he would not be as bit as big of a challenge as you know most people assumed uh so so credit to James and I I've I've enjoyed I've just enjoyed talking to Frank Clark yeah. so much this year <laughs> and now part of it being right after the game like that and not only is it I, I kind of the end of the mindset I think it it lets you hear what Frank Clark probably sounds like on the field as opposed to 45 <laughs> minutes after the game in the locker yeah. room, whenever he is still talking, don't get me wrong, Frank Clark is still talking 45 minutes after the game, and it's better than anybody else talking 45 minutes after the game for the most part, but it's still not that. And I don't know why, but somehow throughout sports media, and I, I guess it's a, it's some form of self-preservation and not wanting to create bulletin board material or whatever, but somewhere along the line, like throughout throughout sports and in sports media and how it's covered and all of that, we we have like implicitly rewarded the people that just say as little as possible. Like I mean, Seth, you mentioned earlier, there's the QB one speak that Mahomes shifts into that you you don't see. He's not talking like that on the field. He's he's got way more energy and, and way more personality there. But off the field, everyone's just like, hey, just don't don't give anything up here, right? Frank Clark gives so much of his genuine personality and his honest opinions and his energy and it's it's been good for everyone in and around that organization like from from the the teammates around him that are drawing off of that to the the fans that are drawing off of that like to see what the attitude of that side of the ball has changed into this year. When last year it was rightfully, I would say, it felt timid and just like and scared. This is a defense just like, oh man, we just as long as we don't as long as we don't drop this beautiful vase, we're gonna go to the Super Bowl. Crash! Like that <laughs> that was the, the the defense last year. And, and this year we've had we've had stretches of time where we have started this show talking about the Chiefs' defense because we we know what the offense is going to be and the defense has been so good. And I think for for whatever however much time you want to spend in or or not in the intangible stuff, 
I have I have even had my my sort of um, presuppositions about things like this change this year based on how different the attitude and the posture, both literally and figuratively, have fundamentally changed for this year's defense. With Steve Spagnuolo and and Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, especially those three guys being brought in this year, it's just it is it is literally night and day i i mean to know that um the t- i mean and this is what every i think fan uh wants and desires but your team's close you feel like your window is 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 in the moment or right in front of you and your coach and your general manager um, move heaven and earth and tilt the league in their favor. I, I just, I mean, whether it's big moves or small moves, I mean, whether it's Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew or, you know, Andy Reid convincing Steve Spagnuolo to get back into into coaching as a defensive coordinator, um, Mike Pinnell, again, an important yes. character to the yeah. season, Terrell Suggs, who didn't want to show up is now going back to the Super Bowl. Um, Daniel Sorensen, a, a player that Brett Veach standed firm in when a lot of Chiefs fans were like, eh, maybe you could get more cap space if you cut him. Um, played his two best games of the season in the playoffs. He, mur- <laughs> he murdered Ryan Tannehill. And I think Ryan Tannehill didn't want to play football after that hit. Um, oh, that was so – That I just just on – I mean – you, you I, I'm gonna let you finish, Nate. But that <sighs> hit, like I felt that in my bones. That was just like, I was just like, I gasped oddly because you do not see quarterbacks take hits like that anymore. And, and it was form tackling at yeah. its height. It's just like, okay, dude, if you're not gonna go down, I'm okay. Because <laughs> like Dan Sorensen is like, <laughs> it's just like the most kind of just nice dude <laughs> he's yeah. he's like so practical you know and you can just see him just like okay <laughs> I, I guess you decided not to slide bro this isn't gonna end well for you and i mean he just i will give props to ryan Tannehill for like bouncing up which i think he bounced up and i'm pretty sure probably had the wind knocked out of him and was because if i got hit like that i would never coach i won't play no more coach i don't want to play no more i don't no. play no more coach but, Put put Marcus in. This is terrible. That dude hit me, and so. Oh, oh God, are you okay? Did you, Golly, did you I'm just get hit by it. somebody? What happened? Uh, I just thought about Dan Sorensen hitting me, but yes, yeah, Sorensen, <laughs> the unexpected hero of the playoffs. This is, it's just too much, man. Yeah, it's just so, too I much. Mean, Re- I, Reggie Ragland and I were in the locker room, and I wanted to ask him specifically about Patrick Mahomes' run because I just remember he was the first guy. In the in the depth of in the sorrow of them losing in the playoffs last year, and him being the only one that told me like the truth, yeah, dog, we were gassing in overtime, gassed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but him also telling me that we still have the best quarterback in the world, and like we'll be back here, and was like pretty confident in it. And so I was like, hey, man, I got to come back to you a year later. Now that you're going to the Super Bowl, and he's like, yeah, there's only three of us left from when I came to the team on defense. It's Reggie Ragland, Daniel Sorensen, Chris Jones. That's the list. Wow. And from that time, from when Reggie Ragland was traded onto the team, I believe I believe that was a trade that Brett, one of Brett Veach's first trades. And to know that, like, he just kept sculpting this, this side of the roster, um, it's wildly impressive. And, again, if you're a fan, that's all you want your, you know, the executive in the front office to just try to get as much talent as you can, but also have these guys mesh together both spiritually and, and, and from a chemistry standpoint, but also have the talent match the scheme from the coach that you like, trust and equipped to go out there and, and do the, and do the job um, that's supposed to be done. It's just, I mean, these are, it's weird. The chiefs and storybooks, not really things you would put together, but it's happening. It's literally happening yeah. where all of a sudden the Chiefs, an organization that has been respected, but mostly um, thwarted by other great teams, is now writing its own sort of 
magical carpet ride story and it fits in a lot of ways but it's also just i think because we all um know this team for so long it's still really really surreal that i i think that's a really good point nate is that like from the uh fitz magic to <clears throat> the titans beating the ravens and beating the Patriots before that and all of those things that, that really do feel like, I mean, where the Chiefs have gotten some good luck. I mean, I, 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 it was better for them to be able to play this game at home against the Titans than in Baltimore against the Ravens. Yes. Like you can, you know, whatever yes. you want to say about that. Like I, I don't think there's any amount of like, oh, they played a weaker schedule. So it, it's fluky or whatever. I think all that's literal garbage that happens on a yearly basis and whatever. However, all of those things lining up in the Chiefs' favor to create that kind of storybook storyline is is pretty bizarre, honestly. It's pretty bizarre. Mm-hmm. These these things don't happen to the Chiefs right. for you fifty know, years. That has been factually that, that's, that's factually true. <laughs> it's it's been that is yeah that is a literal fact. It, it it reminds me of of you know with the the Minneapolis miracle that the Vikings got a couple of years ago, which obviously was a, a game short and therefore less meaningful in a way, although still awesome. What my dad said to me about that is like he cried because he's like this stuff doesn't happen to Vikings fans. This stuff doesn't happen to, for Chiefs fans. Right. They're always on the other end of it. They're always the one who the quarterback is throwing a touchdown pass to himself, you know, or doing just these bizarre things. Whereas things, the stars kind of aligning for them, that 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 stuff happens for the Patriots. Right. Right. It always just everything comes up Patriots, except this year it didn't. And just on a side note, people are like, oh, man, they got to avoid Baltimore, New England. They beat Baltimore and they beat New England already this year. So you know what? Whatever. I mean, yes, they might have been a tough matchup, but I think think this Chiefs team at Arrowhead would have run New England out of the building the way they're playing right now and the way New England was playing. And yeah, Baltimore, probably a better team than Tennessee. Tennessee was easily, everyone was so focused on how Tennessee might be a bad matchup for the Chiefs. No one really focused on the fact they are a terrible matchup for Baltimore. Like, they, they are able to take, it's kind of like, so, Josh, there's this movie, there's a series of movies called Rocky. <laughs> um, about this like boxer, right? Oh. And he's very well, determined. Why is it called Rocky? Is it not he's very determined. Climbing? Well, be- because because his name is Rocky, and he, oh, okay. he he's like a rock because he's so oh, tough. Get sure. it? Because rocks are like tough. Bad, they're like hard. Movie. You know what? We'll talk about this off air. So, uh, it, so in Rocky Three, and there's so many. It sounds like a bad movie under your breath. I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, in, in Rocky, in Rocky Three, Rocky's matched up against Clubber Lang, right? Who's a terrible matchup like for him because he boxes the exact same way, except is twice Club as strong. Lang? What? That's what Tennessee did to Baltimore. Stop it, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so you had this these awful matchups and all this stuff but the Chiefs beat these guys already. They, the, the the stars, you know, oh, they align whatever. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl cuz they've won 8 games in a row because they've beaten all comers. They've beaten they beat the Titans who beat everyone else. They've already beaten those teams. They deserve it. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. They they deserve it because they hit a 60-yard shot play on third down. Which is, I'm going to be laughing until the end of time on that. It's, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know, man. I I also, I've said this multiple times now, that it would be really bad for my job if I was genuinely speechless about this. Because um, that's, I'm, I can't be. But but a couple of times I kind of, you, you get kind of, you get kind of caught by the edge of it. And you go, oh, yeah, this is actually, this is actually how this is all unfolded. And it's pretty wild. Um, we can actually talk about, you know, some of the specific things in this game for a second that, that happened on the field. We also, I imagine, will do more of this on Friday as well. Um, just because, again, I talked about this for seven hours last night, and I don't think I ever got to properly gloat about being right about Derrick Henry. Um, and for the second time also, by the way, in two weeks, <laughs> not being just not being aggressive enough about my takes. That's my big concern right now. And so I'm going to go ahead and say in advance for the next two weeks, the Niners are trash and the running game is fake. 
That's my that's my that's my take. <laughs> is that they can trot anybody out there and all those running backs are garbage and it's all a nice scheme that the Chiefs are gonna totally undress. I guess that's just my take now, because clearly I haven't been aggressive enough. Um but whenever you look at some of the specific things that the Chiefs did defensively to Hold Derrick Henry. By the way, one thing I did point out is that Derrick Henry was over 30 carries um, for for the first time this season, these last few weeks, and and so uh, he had a lot of carries, which meant a lot of yards, which meant seeing him with the ball out, which meant people talking about him more because we see it more, and human beings tend to do that even whenever it's not all that impactful. Um, his longest rush in this game was 13 yards. Even that, I was a little bit surprised by. He goes 19 for 69, and uh, that's 3.6 yards per carry, one touchdown, 13 yards was his longest run. Um, Even as uh, an enormous skeptic of what Derrick Henry could do to uh, take over a game or to be inevitable or any of these ridiculous hyperboles that we heard leading up to this game this week, even I was impressed and a little bit surprised by how little of an impact he ultimately had on the game altogether. For so long, the perception has been, can the Chiefs just stop the dang run? And uh, <laughs> not only did they stop it, they they obliterated it. I mean, mm-hmm. at one point, Patrick Mahomes had just as many yards as Derrick Henry rushing. Just 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 want to just want to make that make that a point. Um, <laughs> the the ability that and and I felt like in some ways a lot of Henry's yards were like he just got past Anthony Hitchens because yeah you won't I, I I encourage Chiefs fans to go watch it like I know Chiefs fans aren't like in love with Anthony Hitchens or like he isn't the best linebacker in the league or you know for a beleaguered position he's the one that's got to carry the the burden and the load the most um after the second drive, they really figured everything out. Um, and the only way the Titans could move the ball, as Seth mentioned before, was off of play action or the the idea that, hey, we're going to hand it off to Derrick Henry because you're keying in on him, particularly early in the downs, like first and second down. Um, their, la- their, their, their touchdown to go up 17-7 was wildly impressive because when you're at the goal line, you just assume they're going to hand it to like the biggest guy on the on the field in Derrick Henry. And they use their eligible receiver to, to get the touchdown. But... It was clear that Brenda Daly figured out which linemen, which which four linemen to use in a true rotation, and then they let Chris Jones loose, and then um, Anthony Hitchens started getting to the actual football, and then they started tackling him. And there's no play that I can remember where it's like, wow, that's a real big missed tackle. I mean, if it's the coaching staff, if it's the players themselves, it's clearly a combination of the two. They did something that the Baltimore Ravens couldn't mm-hmm. do, and they did something better than the Patriots did, which, again, is wildly crazy to yeah. say. But they actually tackled Derrick Henry the best of any team in the last about six weeks since he came back from his sort of weird hamstring injury. Um, I mean, Daniel Sorensen hit Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry fell down. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's not how it's supposed to go, yeah. at least when I was told two weeks yeah. ago. Anthony Hitchens... Hit Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry fell to the ground. Um, Chris Jones would shed a blocker and get in front of Derrick Henry's face, and Derrick Henry would stop moving forward. Um, mm. It's just wildly impressive. Clearly, a lot of the, the the mileage, a lot of the hits, going on the road for four straight weeks, I can't tell you what that does to a man's body, even as impressive as Derrick Henry is, from going to Houston, to New England, to Baltimore, to Kansas City. But for whatever reason, the Chiefs, knew the situation, and were up to the challenge. And it's the first time a defense has literally been able to say that since, like, Bobby Bell was running in the middle of the field. <laughs> and it, 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 for me, like, again, uh, I'm breaking my own embargo. How about that? Okay, here, I can break the rule. I made it. Th- this is all good news for for the the 49ers. Not I mean not for the Niners, but for the Chiefs preparing for the 49ers. These running games are very different. Uh, and 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 yes. I I know that and I've I've barely watched the 49ers this year and will be making up lost time these next 2 weeks. But even I can tell these running games are extremely different for a variety of reasons that we will cover here as a trio. However, the Chiefs being able to shut down a running game this way 
against a team that would have preferred to go with the running game, even as the, the Chiefs had the large scale, like statistical advantage here, the, the, the large scale, like running the ball against the Chiefs versus what the Chiefs can do offensively. The, the scales were tilted way in the Chiefs' favor. That was the point of my column from last week. But to see them do it like like in a vacuum handle that running game in an excellent fashion is very encouraging to me, not just from a physicality perspective, although that is a huge part of it, Nate, but but even just from a prep and scheme perspective, Steve Spagnuolo and this defense are going to have their hands full with the Niners, but I'm really encouraged because the dude in charge of the Chiefs defense has repeatedly reinvented himself over the years, over this season, on a week-to-week basis, and done different things to get the best results. I think the only times outside of maybe the first few weeks, which even then, actually, the defense had some really nice moments, but but really the only times this year it feels like the Chiefs defense hasn't been really impressive was was whenever we talked about maybe Spags doing a tiny bit of over-tinkering and, and maybe needing to, to reel it back a tiny bit. If, if we believe that to be the case, I just, I think that the Chiefs can have some legitimate confidence in their defense and not just in a, again, like a non non backbreaking sense. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's it, again, we're, we're trying to look, I feel like we were always on always at least at the curve or ahead of the curve for most Chiefs fans. Yes. But like this team's different. Yeah. Like just, just, just keep telling yourself that over and over again, this team is different. I said it on eight ten. In the pregame show, Josh, I, I've obviously said it to you two fellas. Like, this team is different, clearly because you have, like, the greatest player in, like, the NFL right now. And you have a competent defense that makes plays and gets off the field. And when the moment, and this, and this is the thing that I think won't be talked about a ton, just for obvious reasons. But, like, when the Chiefs get momentum, that defense gets off the field because mm. they understand oh my God, if we give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes in literally less than five minutes of real time and just three plays of just three snaps, he will go down the field and score a touchdown. And guess what? That's what they've done the last two weeks. Like, they spotted the Houston Texans of all teams 24 points. And then the defense was like, hey, if we just get off the field, the offense is going to score. We should just, like, do that. that And then they did it. (laughs) We should just, like, do that. Uh, I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, there's an exact moment, and and this is what, you know, it doesn't happen, or it doesn't get um, sort of enough praise just because, like, it's the defense not really scoring a touchdown. But let's let's go through the play log. Uh, Late in the second quarter, you know, the Chiefs, uh, score touchdown is now 17-14 Titans, and the Titans get the ball, and there's about four minutes left on the clock, and the Titans now must do the the, the hard thing of like getting into a position where you could at least attempt a field goal, but don't leave Patrick Mahomes any time on the clock. Derrick Henry, left guard, one yard. Derrick Henry, right guard, no gain. Terrell Suggs and Chris Jones. Third and nine, Ryan Tannehill, short pass to Deion Lewis, goes for six yards. Rashad Breeland and Chris Jones make the tackle. Three and out, they punt. Titans never lead the game for the rest of the game. I mean, the deep when the when the defense sees what the offense is capable of doing, and once they've seen your best plays or where your game plan is starting to to develop, um, they start taking things away from you. And that's that's a championship defense. Mm-hmm. As, as again, as strange as it sounds. For a Chiefs podcast and Chiefs fans listening, a championship defense takes things away from you or says, no, go do the thing that you're good at and we're still going to beat you. Seth, I've heard you almost talk a couple of times recently, and now I'm going to explicitly say that you can talk. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and do what Brett Veach should do. And I'm going to take this football that I'm holding and I'm going to spike it Gronk style into oblivion because I'm the guy who wrote months ago that you can't beat the Chiefs with the run game unless everything else goes right for you. And here's what we saw. The Chiefs run defense definitely played better. But what else happened is the Titans couldn't run the ball because they were losing. Yep. Because what happens is if your defense isn't playing awesome. Get them, Seth. You can't keep running the ball. You can't do it. Get them. I'm 
spiking it right now, guys. Because you know what? The Titans, for a while, were running the ball just fine. But what happens is, unless your defense can stop the Chiefs from scoring, which no, you usually can't, you have to start throwing the ball because it's just not efficient enough. The Titans had the ball for over 19 minutes in the first half, and time they were possession. losing at halftime. Whoops. Oh, that time of possession battle. It just, I mean, seriously, if I could put this thing through the Earth's core into China, I would. (laughs) Because the reality is, it doesn't matter how long you hold the ball. It matters whether you score when you hold the ball. It's about what you do with your possessions. Because no matter how long you hold the ball, the other team gets the ball back. Time of possession, milking the clock and stuff, that stuff starts to matter in like the fourth quarter. And it depends on the size of the lead, it might be late in the fourth quarter when that starts to really matter. What matters is what you do with possessions. And and seriously, for the love of all things good and pure, people that were pointing to the Titans as proof, oh no, no, you run the ball and chew the clock to win games. Just look at this game. Look at the drive stats. Look at what occurred. It's not about how long you have the ball. It's about what you do when you have the ball. And if you don't score, it doesn't matter that you had the ball for seven minutes or 20 minutes or 59 minutes. 59 minutes might matter. But if your opponent gets the ball back, (laughs) if you don't score and your opponent gets the ball back and he scores, guess what? You're going to lose seven to nothing. What matters is points per drive, your efficiency on plays. And the Chiefs just, that's why, again, I was confident even when they were down 7-10, they kind of hadn't looked like themselves. It was just like, look, it's so easy for them. It's not this struggle. And that's the thing with these, everyone's like, oh, these long drawn out drives. Oh, those are killers. Yes, they are. But you know what else they are? They're hard. It's very difficult to have a 15 play drive where everything goes right because every play that you run is an opportunity for something to go wrong. For you to get stuffed twice at the line by Chris Jones, who if anyone ever talks to me about him being a weakness in the run game again, I'm going to drive to your home and TP your house. <laughs> because who he because Jones didn't play a ton. Yep. But he was wildly impactful that game. He had one drive where I was like, "Ah, he didn't look great a couple plays there." But I mean, that first third down where they forced a field goal, Chris Jones, a couple of those stuffs on that crucial stop there to get the Chiefs the ball back before that. Chris Jones, he was helping with pressure all day. And it was just it was great to see. They were trying to double team him. It just didn't matter. He is a stud and the run game can't beat the chiefs all on its own. And so that's with, with the Niners, very different run game, much more space and speed oriented, very different thing to beat, but it's the same thing. Unless you can actually run the ball for nine yards a pop, like the Niners were against the Packers. Yeah, sure. Then run the ball all game. Right. You, you should. Yes. There are extreme outer limits to this philosophy where if you go, well, every time you hand the ball off, it's a touchdown, then I guess do that. Yeah. Yeah. Why why do anything else? Of course. But unless you get a a, a performance like that, that is an extreme outlier, you can't beat the Chiefs running the ball. You just can't do it. And again, I think I think I've spiked the ball enough. It's been spiked. People doubted it. But the reality is, unless a defense can slow down the Chiefs, you can't beat the Chiefs running the ball. You cannot do it. A couple of quick clarifying, not just just additional uh, bits of information from two things you said. One, uh, Chris Jones played 28 of the Chiefs' 66 defensive snaps, which is 42 percent, um, which is pretty good, all things considered, with the the, the week that he had yeah. and everything. And then yes. also Derrick Henry in the uh, in the second half of this game had three carries for seven yards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just delicious. I'm just, I'm just, I'm mowing down on these like diabolical. Oh, this, I, this is like I'm snacking on some ribs from Joe's. I'm just, it's just delicious. Right now, what I feel like we're doing just dia- that diabolical snicker. <laughs> right now, what we're doing, and, and Seth, I, if we could, if we could just plan a couple days in advance, uh, whenever, whenever you come on eight ten with me on Tuesday, I think what we're gonna do is we're just gonna have one football and we're just gonna spike it back and forth. To each other for like 30 minutes. Spike it, you catch it, and you spike it back to me. I'll catch it, I'll spike it back. It'll be great. That'll be the uh, that'll be the whole plan. Um, all right, we've that done a full good. we've done a full show. We've done a show for an a- covering an AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, I will uh, I will I will open up the floor one final time for uh, closing statements, um, Mister Mister Taylor. Uh, your thoughts? I would like to inform. Troy Aikman, <laughs> we are two weeks oh, away from he, for him watching 
perhaps Patrick Mahomes winning 33.3% oh! of his Super Bowl rings. And then we can talk. We're coming. It's coming. It's happening. I'm dancing. Hey, Troy, it's coming. 33%. 33%. And he's going to watch it in 33%. person. He's physically going to be there. And I'm going to be there to tell him, hey, man, I, I just want to say thank you. And you may watch one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in his first Super Bowl. Just just want to inform you of that before kickoff. Hey, Troy. Hey, Troy. It's happening. He's right behind you. The killer's inside the house. He's right. The calls from inside the house. Behind you. He's gonna get a Super Bowl ring. And Nate, listen, just last thing for me. Uh, if he did it at a rate that was, if he won Super Bowls at a rate that uh, was as efficient as he was compared to Troy Aikman's uh, career efficiency and, and all of that, uh, he actually just might win all three of them in one go. That's just because he's, you know, been three times as good at everything else as Troy Aikman. So maybe, maybe he'll just win three Super Bowls on his first try. Oh, no. Now he's going to tweet us again. All right. Can't, can't wait to hear from you. <laughs> we know he listens. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's the end of the podcast. We did it, everybody. That's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the podcast.